Selena Frederick, teens these days, I'll tell you teens what. Teens these days, all, all the street youths. Street youths <laughs> with their haircuts being look, looking like alpacas. <laughs> Is that what they are these days? <laughs> <laughs> Listening to their bippity bop music, um, their newfangled devices. <laughs> no, no actually, goodness. we were talking about teens today. And, and the reason I wanted to do this, so I think I pitched this idea, didn't I? You did. It's you because pitched. we've spent some time... In, uh, with some families from our church mm-hmm. and some, uh, you know, other at, at some events where we've seen teenagers. And one of the things that I'm just so thankful for is the light in their eyes. Mm-hmm. And then it led me to ask this question. You see some teenagers where what something is clearly amiss. Right. Right. There's a there's a jadedness to them. Yeah. And you see other teens where there's a light is a bright light in their eyes. There's an enthusiasm. There's a there's a, a a whimsy and a personality that can come out yeah. that is so unique to teenagers. Right. And so the question we hope to answer or ask and answer here is why? Yeah. Where does that light come from? Where does the jadedness come from? And how can mm-hmm. we as parents prepare if you don't have teens? Like we don't have teens yet. We're headed there. Right. If you're currently parenting teens, this might help you where you're at. But either way, can't wait to talk about it. So we'll see you on the other side. Once again, Fierce Parenting listeners, viewers, it's a pleasure to have you. Thank you for lending us your ears, your eyes if you're watching. (laughs) My name is Ryan. This is my lovely wife, Selena. We love doing this work that is ministering to marriages on Tuesdays, Mm -hmm. to parents in those marriages on Thursdays. Mm -hmm. And uh, eventually, uh, we hope to help give you more and more tools to disciple your children, all for the glory of Christ. So thank you for joining us. We enjoy doing this work. If you want to support us, go to fierceparenting.com slash partner. We couldn't do this if it weren't for our amazing Fierce family patrons. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much if that's you. Yeah. So full disclosure, and you already know this if you followed (laughs) us for any period of time, but we don't have teenagers. Not yet, but I would say we do have a number of years of experience dealing closely with teens uh, through ministry, uh, things like church and young life and all that kind of stuff. So we've, we've, our lives have always, I think, been intertwined with teenagers and I'd say between the two of us, we have 20 years of experience. Yes. And I know it's different when teens. they're yours, right? Yes. It's totally different when they're yours. And so we're not trying to take any high ground here. We're just trying to present, I think, some observations and things that we're kind of taking note of in our own heads and our own hearts uh, mm. and how we can really anchor ourselves uh, as that craziness approaches. <laughs> I think there's just a lot of good to be had, a lot of fun. Mm. Um, and there are some, you know, some trials and hard times. And Well, I was encouraged because, okay, we went on a camping trip. Our baby's in the background. You might hear her. Selena is giving her bits of a croissant. That's about a week old, but don't worry, friends. And it's they're from Costco. <laughs> Croissants aren't that, that fancy, all right? Anyway, I was so encouraged. We were on a camping trip with our church. And as it goes, our church has some teenagers and the teenagers were there. And I was able to witness the teenagers in their full teenageness. And I loved it. Why? Because they're interacting with the young ones. There's a light in their eyes. They're still playing. They're still playful. Like I think maybe I had a, I had a morph. My idea of a teenager had morphed into my mind, in my mind as somebody who's just kind of like over being a kid. Right. Somebody who just wants to kind of trying to be an adult, trying to be an adult. Uh, but these, these teenagers, I'm happy to say were very engaged with both adults and younger kids. They are very respectful to their parents. They're loving to one another, but still very playful, still very curious, still uh, still high energy, still silly, still all those things. 
And, and here's how I'd summarize that. There's a light in their eyes. And so the question we're trying to answer here is how do we keep the light on, the lights on in our kids' eyes yeah. through the teenage years? And so what we came up with is basically these three kind of areas of a, of a child's life. Right. Now, what's, what's going to be glaringly missing is their friends in these areas. Well, the well, argument, the argument that I'll make is that friends are across Within all these three. areas, yes, yes. Friends are in all the areas. And how well you're able to integrate right. friendships throughout these uh, areas. Yes. Integrate, navigate. <laughs> well, integrate meaning like you, you have multiple avenues of interaction with right. the same people because you're actually building a life alongside right. them. Right. Um, and this, and so we'll make a case for, for what that is. But here's the three areas, and we'll talk about each one briefly. Um, again, the big question is how do we keep the light on in our teenagers' eyes? Mm-hmm. And the three areas that we need to be mindful of as we navigate this question are home, in, in the home. How, how are we parenting them through their school? Mm-hmm. And the school choices we make as parents and then through the church, mm. through the church. <laughs> so uh, these are the three big kind of, I'll, I'll say, influence spheres of a teenager's life. And the types of friendships they cultivate and the friends they bring around are going to be a function of how we set up these spheres in our mm-hmm. kids' lives. Yep. Okay, so let's talk about the home. What do you have? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, last week we talked about the necess- the necessity of having a father and a mother that are engaged, that are home, that are... What do you mean by that are home? Sorry, that, you know, are available, I guess, is, okay, is more so of the... doesn't mean you can't be out working a right. job. No, well, of course not. That, yeah, but, but you're engaged. When you're home, you're engaged, you're approachable, mm-hmm. you are... Um, wanting and it's evident to them that you're wanting to, to that you care about them mm. and that you want to know what's going on in the world and that you've built this pattern right of yeah the tea party thing right where you have tea parties when they're three and they'll remember it when they're five and when they're five they'll remember that what you did with them or when they're eight they'll remember at five and so you're you're building you've yeah. built this uh relationship with them and yeah. so they they know that home is a safe place they know that home is a place where they can breathe they can unpack they can wrestle with their struggles and not have it you know broadcasted all over social media or somewhere that embarrasses them this is their safe this is a a place where we wrestle with hard things and part of that safety is they have to know that you're for them that you are there to listen right um and that in my experience working with teenagers through youth ministry and things like that is clearly they're not physiologically needy like sometimes they just you need to feed them like that's part of teenagers eat like ravenous hyenas. <laughs> <laughs> it, it blows my mind, but it's awesome. I love it when you just see like a group of teenagers descend on a pizza <laughs> and it's just, just gone. gone. <laughs> it's like, it's just gone. I love it. So yeah, you need to meet their physiological needs, but more than that is emotional needs, relational needs, spiritual needs. They need to feel safe that you were accessible. Now, what does that seen, require? They need to be feel like they're seen. They need to be feel like they're loved and that they're, um, and I would argue they need to feel like they, they don't have to be perfect and they can make mistakes right. and it's not, they're not going to pay the, the price right. for every mistake that they make. Right. And I think even at a young age, our children are young ages and I, I fall short to that exact thing of somewhat demanding perfection. Or why didn't we think about this beforehand? And it's like, okay, well maybe I didn't teach them like, are my requirements, are my expectations for you age appropriate and developmentally yeah. appropriate? Right. And so we can really, I think, like you said, just do damage in that area. If we're not mm. um, aware of where our children at, yeah. where they are um, spiritually, emotionally, uh, you know, the, the trellises are going up, they're building 
they're growing. They're like the plant growing on the trellises, right? We we've done the framework. It's there. And now they need to wrestle with it. They are becoming their own person. We need to, you know, yes, instruct, but we mm. also need to come alongside more, right? At the young ages, we're very much instructing and teaching at the older ages. I think we still are teaching, but it looks different, right? I'm not teaching you how to get dressed anymore, but I'm mm. going to teach you how to or remind you that we talked about the armor of God and what that means yeah. to put on, put that on every day. And what that means when you get, uh, your armor chipped like by yeah. a friend, right? What, how do we deal with yeah. that? I love that imagery that you just used of the trellis and the vine. <laughs> I, I would make this argument based on that imagery is that teenagers are heliotropic. Okay. Right? What does that mean? It means that, so a, a, a plant that's heliotropic, I believe this, that's the right term. So if I'm using <laughs> the wrong term, then there it is. <laughs> I'm redefining it. No, I, I believe a plant that's heliotropic is one that seeks, seeks out the sun. And so like if you put the sun's in the, in the east, it'll kind of like grow toward the right. And there's other, there's geotropic plants that grow according to the, gravity and they grow according to the center of the earth. That's why you get trees that grow straight out of the, you know, anyway, the point is where's the brightest light for these kids. And so as parents, mm. we can be the bright light for them, right? Drawing them. Cause right. You can only build the trellis. You can't make them grow. Right. God is doing his work, but we can be that bright light of truth. Right. And, and cause they're curious, they want to go toward yes. it. And so I remember as a, as a teenager talking to my mom, my mom was so good at this. She would ask me questions. I think this is maybe the number one way I would say we can keep the light on in their eyes at home yeah. is create a, a question rich environment, mm. meaning that they're asking questions, but you're also asking questions in return. You're not just giving answers. You're not just barking orders, but you're asking the questions of them. Like we had family worship this morning mm -hmm. and I, I said, girls, we need to do family worship. And Della, our oldest, she's only nine and she's already saying this, but I know this is going to carry through. She says, can you ask us questions? <laughs> She wanted us, she wanted me to quiz them because she wants to be able to likes, process and yeah. express and name and things the interaction and the interaction with, yeah. with her dad. That's a big thing. True. Uh, but that's true for teenagers too. Yeah. They want, they still, yeah. there's still that childlikeness in them. Uh, they no. haven't quite, maybe they act like they don't care what people think, but they really deep down, they do care, oh, I was, especially with their parents. I think. was the quintessential example of that. Like <laughs> you look out, you look at me, I'm just like a, I just look dead inside. Yeah. But there was a flurry of activity mm -hmm. under the surface. Mm -hmm. um, Little duck, you. Yeah. So that's the first one, home. Right. Now we can talk about a lot of different angles. I think we're just processing kind of on the fly here. So forgive us if we miss something. If you have a better idea, just leave a comment on the YouTube video. That'd be awesome. All right. Number one area, school. Okay. So this is number two. So number one sorry. was home. Number yep. two is school. I don't know if these are in any particular order. No, nah, they're just kind of what we thought. Right. So school is one of these things that people get really defensive about. And I think as Christians, there are many faithful ways to educate your children with one exception. What I mean, not one exception, with one baseline truth has to be there. Mm -hmm. As Christians, we're told by Paul very clearly to raise up our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Right. To me, and, and that the word there is paideia. The concept of Greek paideia isn't just raising. It's not just nurturing. Yeah. The, the nurture and admonition, those are the English words for it. But that Greek term for paideia is as as loaded with cultural meaning right. as a word like democracy or even like renaissance or whatever those big loaded terms are. Paideia is is so cultural. It's, it's an enculturation of a child. Meaning yeah. like you're teaching them the very way to be. This is who we are as the Greek paideia. This is who we are as Greek people. Mm. Now, this What's the Christian paideia? Right. This is who we are as Christians. And so this is why we make the case, and we've talked about this, and I'm just going to say it, and I don't need to make the case here, but I believe there are many negotiables in a child's education. The one non-negotiable thing is that education must be 
Christocentric. I think that's what it means to raise our children up in the paideia of God. Mm -hmm. Like there is no neutrality here. Like our kids need to know that science is good because Christ is at the center of it. And then that's not just a claim. Like it's true. Like in him and through him, all things hold together by him and through him, all things were created. He's at the center of it. Christ at the center of history. Christ at the center of our philosophies at the center of our, you know, whatever the study is. Yeah. We don't study it. To, they don't study the subjects in and of themselves, but it's an integration of how they relate to one another and ultimately how they relate to God. How how Christ is at the center yeah. of it. Like we do bath because Christ created creation in a way that is. Yeah. So how do we keep the light on in our teenagers eyes? Right. The sphere of school. Well, I think creating a, a rich educational opportunities for them, whether that's homeschool or a Christian school. That's mm-hmm. that's not at home. That's yeah. Christocentric. That is uh, giving them a love for learning. Mm-hmm. I think that's maybe the, the, on top of that non-negotiable Christocentricity. That'd be my next thing. I'm just, yeah. I think I'm speaking for both of us. Yeah. Yep. But cultivating the child, not just facts and the ability to yeah, find the answer. it's not about memorizing or recalling facts. It's, but it's the getting love to of the learning. root. Yeah, well, it's getting to the root of why do we love learning? Why do we enjoy not even I wouldn't even say like loving learning is the ultimate too. It's it's we have to if you go to the root of why are we learning these things? Why are we learning history? Why are we understanding the mistakes of the ancient people of the mistakes of the Middle Ages? Because, uh, you know, we have a way of cycling through that once again, because why we're sinners, we're humans, Hmm. we're broken. We need God to save us again and again and again. Right. Again, Every subject points back to Christ. Every subject points back to God, either as creator, as the ultimate story maker, right? Mm. Um, As king and as people who continually don't want him to be king, don't want him to be the authority in our lives. I mean, that is just the battle today. And so I think there's multiple facets, like you said, to school, not just the subjects and education, how you learn. But again, what is the dynamic of friendships at school? What's the dynamic of an influence Mm. of social media at school? You know, we have friends that, yes, their kids may go to, they may be homeschooled and they're in a co-op and all their teenage friends have phones and some of them don't, right? There's still the the aspects of, of, Mm. of uh, what is getting their attention, uh, things like modesty and purity and why, you know, well, it's hot out. So we don't really need to like wear lots of clothes or we just, these are just comfortable pants, even though they're tighter than tight. Well, is that biblical though? This is not just Mm. a a question of like what feels comfortable and what is it, is it biblically, you know, okay, why or why not? And so again, I think school presents uh, lots of room for conversations about these things. I think that's the key. So you're taking this sphere and all that the sphere brings into the child's life. And as a parent, you're now having to process with the child in light of that sphere of school. And I think that's, you just nailed it is being being able to ask questions, Mm -hmm. being able to, as a parent say, you know, if your kid comes to you and they say they have a hard worldview question or they read a hard passage or they, some, a question, you know, you know, they, they get a question from a friend that casts doubt on, The authority of scripture or on the reality of God as a parent, you need not have every single answer, but you do need to be that place where they can ask the answer and you can find, you can mine God's word. You can go together together and find the answer. Yeah, Model that for them, model that for them and be engaged in that process that goes, speaks so heavily and so brightly, I think. And what it does is it builds their confidence in asking hard questions and dig and don't just they want to spar. Here's the encouragement is, yeah, yeah spar, spar with them, especially your sons. They they need to be sharpened. They need to have that, yeah. that sharpening of their horns on other horns. But don't just go 
to Google for the answers like that. That is going to be like probably the first place that I would go. And when they ask a hard question, okay, let's just go to Google. Let's go to God questions or let's go to whatever the go to thing is. But instead, go to God's word. Right. Talk about your maybe weird, but talk about the nature of knowledge itself. How do we even know what we know? How do we <laughs> and, and how, how can we know this truth versus that truth? What is the basis of our truth? Start really unpacking these things based on the level that your child's at, and you'll build their confidence while also answering the questions and cultivating, hopefully, a love for learning. All the while asking critical questions about, like you said, things right. like what my friends have phones and I don't, or my, you know, my friends want to go see this movie and why can't I go see it too? Or, right. you know, such and such is wearing, she's wearing a bikini to the, to the beach. Why can't I wear a bikini to the beach? Right. Or, uh, and just process that with them all the while recognizing that every conversation you have is discipleship. Yes. So good. Okay. All right. Lastly, and quickly, we're going to talk about the sphere of the church. Uh, you touched about this last week's conversation of how, you know, if there's a single parent home and how the church can step in and be, you know, be supportive and be a community uh, and a, a place of giving uh, to the, the family that might lack a parent. Right. And so I guess our, our discussion would be framed around, are you at a church? that is reinforcing what you're teaching at home uh, is reinforcing what your kids are learning at school. Like, is there a consistency there? And if everything is, is rooted in Christ and in scripture, then yeah, I think there that consistency be. would be Absolutely. there. Absolutely. Now, what is the function of church for your teenager? Right. And I think the church should do a few things. Um, it's, it's not the church's job to disciple your kids. No, it's the pastor's job to shepherd your child's soul in a sense, but that is no replacement for your, your job, which is right. to disciple, disciple them. Yes. And so you want a church that is faithful in the pastoral kind of, uh, what's the authority and that yeah. the spiritual authority in the child's life. And so if you have a church that's not exercising the spiritual authority yeah. in that they're not, you know, um, preaching the word faithfully, they're not. Right. Uh, you know, if, if if you're never having Lord's Supper together, you're never having communion together. If you if baptisms are haphazard and and you know there's there's a lot On of whim. Yeah. ecumenical things to work through, church things to think through. Or if your child is off the rails and like, where's your pastor step in? Yeah. Um, Have you invited your pastor into that, or is it something you're just trying right. to not be seen in? Right. Yeah. And so, but on the flip side, like there is something to be said for a church that just understands that kids are kids and, and need places to be kids among other kids. Right. And so I would say, I, I would never say to a family, go to a church because they have a good youth ministry. I think that's a bad reason to go to a church, but good churches should also have good ministry to youths. Mm -hmm. Now I, I didn't use the word youth ministry because that, a lot of that says a whole, yeah. you know, a whole other department of the church. I don't, right. we, we're all about the integration, right? Get kids into adult worship as soon as possible. And so you just want that to be a, a, a safe space with hopefully other kids that are also walking alongside them yeah. and then create the opportunities for them to interact and grow deeper in their relationships. Right. Now, we talked about early on, you want these areas to intersect as much as possible. Right. Um, that's the ideal, which is why we even, we have a co-op at our church. We're part of starting this co-op at our church with, the, we're not the lead couple, ministry. but we're yeah. it's a ministry of the church because we want education and church life to be so closely intertwined. Yeah. Now, that mean we, we shelter our kids, you know, no. and then they're going to get out into the world and they're going to go to college and they're going to go off, you know, off the deep end. Mm -mm. No, because we're taking measures against that Lord willing that will work. Um, surely there's much, much more that can be said about these three 
circles, spheres that we've talked about. Hopefully, if nothing else, we've got you thinking about how to keep the light on in your teenager's eyes. Mm -hmm. Obviously, God does that, but we want to keep them curious, give them freedom to ask questions, give them a place to express their teenageness that is safe, that is not always telling them to just go away and be quiet or to stop asking questions, but is there to engage with them and to draw that out of them and to give them confidence as they go. Um, If you're listening to this and you, it all sounds strange to you. You don't know what it means to be a Christian. We want you to be a Christian. Uh, The first thing we can say and recommend is that you find a friend who is and say, Hey, I heard this podcast. They talked about Jesus. I'm realizing I need to know him because you do need to know him. Go talk to your friend and they will want to talk to you. Find a church that preaches from the Bible. If you don't have either of those things readily available, we have a website that might help. It's this, thenewsisgood.com. You can find some teaching there. It links out to some RC Sproul stuff. It's actually pretty pretty awesome, in my opinion. So anyway, check that out. Uh, with that said, let's pray. Father, thank you for the parents listening to this. I pray that you would equip them, encourage them, enable them. Uh, empower them to love their teenagers well, love their kids well, so that when they are teenagers, uh, that their light brightens. It doesn't grow dim, but it grows brighter because of the work that you're doing in their hearts and their minds and in their their souls. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. This episode of Fierce Parenting is... You can. We'll see you again in seven days. Until next time. Stay fierce.